Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. Hosted by the Missouri Training Institute, this is the Weekly Workplace. Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. With you again today, Missouri Training Institute. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, part two, y'all, on the training prep talk, not pep talk, uh, prep talk. And I just want to start us off with a really exciting question in my mind. All right. We talked a lot last episode about kind of where we've started understanding your skills as a presenter. But I want to know one question we didn't get to. The highlight of being a presenter, trainer, whatever word you want to use there. Um, Well, this won't surprise anybody that it's not about other people. Um, But the (laughs) highlight for me, honestly, is I get to do what I really do feel I was built Mm. and meant to do. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's the highlight. I love coming to work every day, all day, you know, for the past 15 plus years, because I truly am living my dream job. That to me is my highlight. That's great. That's great. I too feel that way. But additionally to that, for me, I I love being exposed to so many different points of view. I love being exposed to so many different organizations that we get to go into and we get to see um, and the cultures that they have in these places. Um, just the I, I love kind of exploring a lot of those differences. Mm-hmm. Um, and this job allows us to do that. You know, we go from working with a manufacturer to working with a service industry, but working with a government agency to working with, you know, a, a, a Institute of Higher Ed or whatever it may be. A private sector uh, employer, um, but it's so different and it's so fun. And I, I enjoy the challenge and the variety. Yeah, I'm going to uh, for me, it, it's interesting because when I first thought about that question, the highlight of being a presenter or a trainer, the very first thing that came to mind is, well, because I get to work with this team. Like that was the first thing that came to mind. Um, I never would have thought I'd be in this role, frankly, and I wouldn't want to be in this role with any other organization. Um, so I'm grateful for that. Uh, additionally, because of the skills you all have have taught, I just, I think the inspiration piece that we're, I, I'm able to hopefully give to audiences, but also be able to experience just through learning from each of you and the um, morale camaraderie, the workspace that we kind of have created here at MTI. I mean, that's, I get inspiration both. I can send it out and it also comes back at me twofold. And so uh, that's the highlight of training specifically with the Missouri Training Institute. Specifically with Missouri Training is because that speaks directly to our values. It right? does. Yeah. Inform, it does. Involve and inspire. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It absolutely does. Yes. And so, you know, and I, I think it's interesting because you know, as we all know at this table and research talks about this, the number one fear is public speaking. <laughs> and so when I thought about this job before I actually took this job, I considered that like, what's it going to, what's it going to be like? And, and as we're thinking through for our listeners out there, I mean, they might be experiencing these kinds of things and and we don't have any openings right now. So I'm sorry you can't come to Missouri Training Institute and work here, too. But we can deliver on some skills or some ideas uh, as far as what we do that uh, helps with some of those sessions. And so what are some of the most important skills that you all would consider for an effective presenter or trainer? Curiosity. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're truly training, then you're having to create and um, cultivate that in other people. So I think it helps when 
when you're also curious and it was kind of to the the point Dewey mentioned, you know, you're walking in and I, I get it. You might be internal to your organization, but it might be new content to the people sitting in front of you. Mm-hmm. And so, again, part of that curiosity, maybe you're not curious about your content, but you're curious about what your audience knows about your content mm-hmm. or what your audience thinks. And I just think curiosity. I know it's not a platform skill. But I think that um, you, you need to cultivate that curiosity. Yeah. Um, I think uh, an important skill is about what I'm going to call engaging in conversation with people. Mm. You know, I I always really try to encourage as much you know participation in my training sessions as possible. You know, it's the only really way I know what they're thinking or um, is by asking them questions and trying to engage them into that, into that process. And you can, you know, get people, I think questions are very powerful. And I think when you ask really good, insightful questions of an audience, it gets them to think differently. It's a way to kind of inspire. It's a way to kind of um, motivate. And, and, and I love that part. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to something I think we talked about on the last episode. You mentioned listening, I think, mm-hmm. last episode, Dewey. And I think that's a really important skill as well, because I, I, I th- there's a fine line between being confident uh, in what it is you're presenting on. Uh, but to Bray's point, that curiosity is still very important. Just because you're in front of that crowd doesn't always mean that you're the only one that knows about what it is you're talking about. Absolutely. Clearly. Right. (laughs) Right. And so being willing to not cross that line of confidence to arrogance or or an intense amount of ego and and not listening to what other suggestions or ideas your audience is bringing to the table. (laughs) That, that would be, advice. yeah, that would be one of mine. Um, but as we kind of start making that transition now into prepping people, like what do we need to do as we're thinking about this? Because there are a multitude of different things, whether it's the actual presentation itself, the design of the presentation, um, the group dynamics, your body language. I mean, we're going to go through all of it in this particular series. But for today, when we are considering the presentation purpose, I think that's usually where that's where I always start. I don't know about you all. Would that be a, a good starting point? Yeah, you got to have a goal, right? <laughs> right. What's the purpose? What, what are you trying to achieve with this um, presentation or with this training session? So it all starts there. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, made it to my client uh, questionnaire is mm-hmm. what are you wanting your people to walk away with or what behaviors are you wanting them to change? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those types of things, because they might have something in their mind, but it from my perspective, it may or may not be linked to that particular topic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they they ask for a, a particular session to solve a particular problem with and, one particular and person. with only one particular person, <laughs> and now everybody has to go yeah. to training, right? So, um, in that case, coaching is probably a much better uh, intervention strategy, right? But it does start with this purpose, and so you know you have to kind of think through the many different types of purposes because it might not be just one. You might have a couple of them goals. You're wanting to achieve in a particular session. So, you know, sometimes um, I think the purpose is just to inform people of certain information. Sometimes I think it's about, um, you know, trying to persuade them. Sometimes I feel like a salesman <laughs> um, trying to get them to think about a, a new a new concept or something in a different way or, or something in a different way. So there's lots of, you know, and then other times it's about instructing. It's about actually, you know, providing them with a, a new process or a new uh, new way of doing something. 
lots of different things. Right. And let's talk for a minute as I think that, and we mentioned it briefly last episode, but to go over again, as you're thinking about the presentation purpose and we're considering that audience that you're getting ready to go into, because I think that that's an important piece. You mentioned it last week too, mm-hmm. I think, um, that concept of there are differences in the style depending on what the intended purpose or outcome is supposed to be. So whether you're actually presenting, whether you're facilitating, right? right? Whether you're training, or presenting. I mean, there, there's differences there because when I think of what the list you just gave, even in presenting, I would add on like inspiring or entertaining, right? Sure. That could be a type sure. of presentation you're doing too. But training probably won't be just the inspiration piece or just the entertainment piece. You have those outcomes. Mm-hmm. And so can you guys talk a little bit about those differences from uh, what's needed for uh, the presenter space and from the facilitator space? How would that be different? And how do you analyze that with your audience? Or with who's requesting the training, I guess. I think, you know, most simplistically, as a trainer, I am invested in the outcome. I've either been hired for a particular reason, uh, that purpose was communicated to me and how they want their audience to change their thinking or change their behaviors. And I'm invested in that outcome. A facilitator is usually neutral to the outcome. Uh, whether you like it or not, uh, that's not up to me, right? Whether you adopt it or don't adopt it or, you know, so a facilitator is more about the process. A presenter is more about driving toward a particular outcome mm-hmm. yeah. or being invested in that. Yeah, uh, it, it's um, about whether or not it's trainer led, you know, which is where you're invested in that outcome. It's, and you're probably designing a roadmap to help that that group get from point A to point B. But as a facilitator, you have no no stake in the outcome. And what you're really doing is tapping into the audience. So it's more audience led. It's more, you know, they get to determine um, the goals that the audience is trying to achieve. They get to maybe even describe the process they want to use to help them get there. Right. But you're just helping them by leading through a process. But the outcomes are they they own the outcomes. Mm -hmm. Let me let me give an example, because I think when we're hired to come in and help a group of people uh, build their strategic plan. Yeah. Mm. That to me is a facilitator's role because I really could care less. I don't know what your goals are going to be. Right. So I I have no stake in how you now. The fact that you're hiring me to help you come up with one. But as far as what that is, that's up to the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what you do then is you're providing a process for them to communicate on their own. Right. So so um, you're probably leading through a process of goals, right, of how to write a goal, perhaps, or something like that. And more importantly, maybe facilitate. Well, OK, now that you got this, how are you going to get get achieve that goal? What's the steps? Right. Mm-hmm. But it's their ideas. It's not yours. You're just asking the right questions. You're just facilitating the process. Now, I can imagine that there are um, advantages and disadvantages to both, Um, particularly when I think about presenting itself. How do you determine, I guess, the right path forward? What would be some of those advantages or disadvantages in presenting or facilitating? In terms of presenting, there are some advantages there where, you know, you've got to you want to give a consistent message to a large group of people. That's that's going to be a, a really good use of presenting information to folks. Um, you know, maybe if you have 
somebody who where the subject matter expertise is really needed because nobody else in the group has that. That's probably more of a presenting type of situation. Um, but do recognize that as a if you're the trainer led and you're doing the presentation, um, participants have can get very passive, right? Because mm-hmm. you're the one with the expertise and it's your ideas. And so sometimes people can just kind of sit back and be pretty passive in that kind of an environment. So there could be a lot more resistance, I guess, um, to your ideas once in a while when you're just presenting information. And you don't know the dynamics always of the audience, Mm -hmm. meaning, you know, my boss is sitting right next to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm less likely as an audience member to voice all of my concerns or even have the questions and um, or the group is so large mm-hmm. that it would be impossible to uh, take those types of uh, inquiries from the audience. So I think sometimes presenting and that, that changes how you bring your information, but can definitely be a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, if, if you're looking to um, if you take a look at the opposite of that in terms of facilitation, um, I think that's really helpful when you're trying to get a group of people to really gain commitment towards a goal or gain commitment towards a course of action. You know, it's their ideas, right? Um, they're going to be more committed to that. Mm-hmm. So you can build a lot of that consensus. You can build a lot of that commitment to things. It seems like it's, it would be important to understand um, uh, what level of knowledge maybe your mm-hmm. audience is coming in with, because there are areas and you might be able to lean in a little bit more into enter more of that facilitation role where you're allowing them to come up with some ideas or concepts in there if they have a higher level of experience or knowledge that they're bringing to the room versus those who you try to do an activity. And I've had this happen before. You do an activity where you want them to come up with, you know, some different plans of attack as they go back to their office, but yet they are not the decision makers or they're not, you know, the ones right. have ever experienced that mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. So it's important to really kind of gauge that. Well, I think you bring up a couple good points here, Brianna. One is... Um, a training session doesn't have to necessarily be one or the other. Right. <laughs> you know, you right. can move from presentation to facilitation and back and forth, you know, throughout your whole um, time with your audience. So that's that's an important piece to make. Um, but the other thing I, th- I think that you're really bringing up here is just the audience analysis. Yeah. Um, so once you have that purpose, right, before you even start to design how you're going to present information or get facilitate the group, um, it is important to think about who is that group, right? Right. Um, what is their knowledge level about the subject? Um, what's their opinion about you? What's mm. their opinion about their organization? Um, what's their opinion about this new subject matter that you're going to talk about? Is the group more <clears throat> homogeneous? Do they all kind of have a group think and they have that they're all kind of like from the same organization, right? And they operate from the same organizational mm-hmm. culture or maybe they're more of a heterogeneous group where maybe you got a bunch of people coming from different organizations that have different experiences um, because understanding that um, and I think Ray mentioned in the last session understanding their motivation for being there is a very important part of the audience analysis but I need to know all that information before I decide how I'm going to make my presentation or the design of of my curriculum or the presentation itself. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest faux pas in your all's time training that you've made related to an audience analysis? 
Well, um, there was a particular, <laughs> a, a particular government organization that shall remain nameless that we had a huge, <laughs> <story gonna> come <laughs> that we had a huge contract with. So we were doing many, 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 many days of training each month, um, all across the state of Missouri for this particular organization. Um, they were a pretty, what I would call a pretty homogeneous group. Hmm. Um, and they felt powerless and they felt like a whole group of victims. Um, and this stuff was being done to them. Um, and so probably the biggest faux pas I had was when I first went in there, um, dismissing that perspective, hmm. thinking that it really doesn't matter. This is what you should be doing anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, my little arrogance self. So when I finally made the realization that, hey, this is not meeting that particular audience's needs, we need to rethink how that happens. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is then we employ different strategies. Mm -hmm. You know, we design different things. So, for example, one thing I might do is help drain the sink. And I remember doing this with this group all the time. (laughs) One of the first things I would do is we go around the room and introduce ourselves and I'd say, "Okay, what do you hate about it? whatever subject we were talking about. What do you hate about it? Um, And boy, they would, you know, get involved there and they'd let you know how they feel about (laughs) it. But after that, then then their emotions kind of come down a little bit and then they're more willing to um, maybe accept a new reality or maybe accept a new way of looking at something. Mm -hmm. But they're not going to do that until they feel they've been hurt. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. 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 And so you you think, oh, that's all negative, you know, juju Mm -hmm. and stuff. But I think, you know, we know that as a trainer tip, you know, drain the sink. And I think it's a way to connect. And I think it's a way also to tie back whatever stories you have to mm-hmm. what, you know, Dewey over there just said, you know, or to Brianna's point. So you can always tie back. And so then they feel like, wow, she's still thinking about me or there, you know, this applies to me because of mm-hmm. the reference you just made. So you can learn a lot in your introductions and, you know, hopefully we'll talk about um, those types of things. But I think the one um, failure I had, uh, other than the one I talked about last week, you know, I brought the content for the audience. The content was meant to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but anyway, was also this big government organization. And I did not know going in that the reason they were there was... Um, punishment. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so they felt that this training um, was punitive and they were extremely hostile and misbehaving. I mean, really mm-hmm. beyond just being disinterested, mm-hmm. um, they were overtly, you know, so their name tense had, you know, like Pocahontas or Dudley do right or people wrote their name upside down or backwards or wrote it really small. And these mean, are adults. And these are adults. These are grown-ups. Um, and you know, nothing I, you know, I couldn't drain the sink. It was, it was an ocean. Mm-hmm. And literally, I and I think I've I just shut everything off. I, I just shut down PowerPoint, the camera, you know, or the the projector. And I was like, what? what is happening, you know, and I just came out in front and grabbed my chair and sat down and like, what's going on here? And so it wasn't until we had literally had an intervention. (laughs) 
had I known that going in, Mm -hmm. even though the content was what the content was going to be, I absolutely would have approached it differently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm going to tell a story (laughs) because this is probably um, will set the stage for this organization because this happened in this same organization. I went to um, do some training with them. Um, I got to this building, which is a secured building, by the way. You have to have credentials and a a little card that you have to put in this little thing to get access to the back room. Right. So this is where the employees only go, you know, not the customers of this organization. So we were in a secured area in a training room um we broke for lunch and we take an hour and so i just normally just leave everything set up right i go to lunch i go often for 40 minutes and, and get my lunch and I come back and my projector has been stolen oh my goodness in a secured building oh my goodness <laughs> right you remember that um that that shows you about the the culture of this organization and shows you the um, uh, it's just an example of kind of what we were dealing with. You know, that punitive. Um, I don't wa- I don't want to be here. I have to be here. Kind of approach. Wow. All right. Now I'm curious. Yeah, we're going to have to talk off off <laughs> off air here, too. But I haven't heard these stories. Yeah, I'm luckily they didn't take my computer, but it's probably just because they didn't have the I don't know why. Right. But um, uh, but they did. They took they stole my projector. Mm. And Dewey and I were in this organization at least twice a week. At least. One of us. Sometimes I'd go on a three-day tour Mm -hmm. and I just hit Southern Missouri and work my way back up to Central Missouri. Mm. Mm. Crazy, crazy. Wow. Well, when I think, I mean, mine, not nearly as extreme, but maybe I need another 10 years (laughs) or so on here. But uh, (laughs) you can get over yourself real quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I will say that, you know, you kind of develop chops then about how to handle those kinds of situations. Yeah. Um, I remember the same thing with a a federal agency that I was doing a lot of work with. And this was uh, a group of people, about 100 people in a room. And we were, uh, you know, I was introducing the idea of quality, continuous improvement to this group because their law has changed and now their programs were required to incorporate these principles of quality continuous improvement so i remember being in this big room 100 people and the director of this group the director stood up because they didn't none of them wanted to be there stood up first 10 minutes and said dewey we've already done this Hmm. And I thought to myself, well, what part of continuous and continuous improvement <laughs> don't you get? <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> there's always a way to improve. Uh, so obviously you didn't get it. Um, Peter Drucker, right? <laughs> step four. Step four. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, but it's in those moments where you really have to be quick on your on your feet and you have yeah. to think. And, um, you know, you really develop some chops when you encounter these kinds of audiences. Yeah, I. I, Talk about a skill to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Got to know your audience. <laughs> you do. Spend some time um, understanding them. Yeah. Yeah, you de- definitely do. And so what other pieces as we consider audience analysis? Obviously, when you think through your experiences and the, the faux pas that we, we just mentioned, what other advice would you consider giving listeners um, as we begin not only purpose, but now audience analysis? What are some other kind of beginning factors to consider before we get to the design piece? 
Well, um, the content itself hmm. needs to be kind of analyzed as well. So we can choose then appropriate learning strategies um, based on how we have analyzed that stuff. So, um, you know, for example, are we going to teach a process? And so there's certain learning strategies you can use to really help um, in, employ that process, you know, so like flow charts might be appropriate on your, now here comes those models you were talking yes. about, you know. Um, so a flowchart might be appropriate, you know, to help people understand where they're at in that process. Um, other things might be more of a, uh, a free for all where we're just trying to gather ideas. And so, you know, what kind of brainstorming or structured brainstorming can you employ there to really help that process? So analyzing what the content itself uh, to me is another important thing before I actually start to design. I I guess I'm, I want to throw in here as we're thinking through this too, you know, we both, we all have mentioned a little bit about, Ray, you mentioned your, your list you go through when we get the call from organizations interested in training. I want to just throw out to maybe some of our listeners who might be calling in and making those requests or for your own in-house trainers to be prepared to provide some of that information up front too. So things that would help us identify, you know, through the audience analysis piece, um, all of those little things that can help make the training experience effective. Like don't set your trainers up for non-success. You know what I mean? Um, and sometimes I think that that just all comes down to uh, the communication piece. And again, the, the, the views, being able to kind of have that element of self-awareness. Am I so frustrated with my group right now? This is a punitive measure. And so I'm going to relay it, you know, to them. I'm not going to share the whole story. Like, like we want to see the outcomes you want to see as well. Um, so let's just have that open dialogue, you know, when that happens. Yeah. You know, one of the questions I like to ask, and I, I've mentioned a few, but with this a particular person who's setting up the training is why do you feel you need this training? Mm -hmm. And I think that usually catches them because sometimes the answer is, well, my boss told me I needed to set this up, you know, mm. and like they don't know, um, mm -hmm. you know, or, yeah. and so I think it gives them like some, a moment to pause or if they haven't thought about it, if they are the person that wants this particular training, why? Why do you feel you need this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think, again, we can decide, is this a training issue? Is it a coaching issue? Right. You know, how can we not that I want to talk people out of, you know, selling our services, but uh, or buying our services. But I also want to be a resource. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I'll say it. I mean, and I shouldn't say this as a training director of a training organization, but training's expensive. It mm. really is. And oftentimes it is a matter of coaching. It's maybe a matter of just sitting down with one person and having a, a difficult conversation mm -hmm. with them to solve the problem. But. Again, if you want to hire us, we'll, we'll come in and do it, but right. <laughs> you want to give well, us the money. And but even, it is an expensive proposition. It is. And so if you're going to make that investment, make sure it's something that I think would actually be um, needed or relevant or beneficial from your team's perspective as well, because you may be seeing it from a uh, manager or leader perspective. And maybe it's because you're not having that candid or, or difficult conversation with somebody um, when the conflicts, you know, rose. But I think it's important to kind of gauge what your people are saying that they would like to see. And that's what I appreciate about here. I mean, you guys ask every year, you know, what type of professional development do you want to be a part of? And that's that's an exciting opportunity as a, as a frontline employee to be able to have kind of a say in something. And if you help create it, you're more invested in it. Mm -hmm. So it is make the investment worth it. Yep. Yep. <laughs>
But, you know, uh, once you analyze all this stuff, then, then, then it's time to kind of think about your design of your program, mm-hmm. right? So are there activities I can build to really maybe help um, teach a particular concept um, based on this audience's needs and their analysis? Um, is there um, a video that would really be appropriate to play that would spark some conversation uh, centered around a particular topic? So, you know, there's a f- millions and millions and millions of, of cool things you can do, um, but you have to know all this information first before before you start to really plot out what's going to be on a slide or a, or a PowerPoint slide or what might be a demonstration or what might be um, a, an activity, what might be a little game that people can play that we can relate to uh, that, that serves as a metaphor, maybe toward another concept. So there's tons of things we can do, um, but you have to know all this other information before you get to that design design piece. Mm hmm. And so what I want to do, because we're actually running short on time, uh, we could probably talk all day, every day about training. Uh, And so obviously you mentioned this is a series. So what we're going to do is pick this up part three next week. We're going to be the training prep talk part three, voice and body language. But I'm also going to throw in there um, the design, the actual like physical design. It's kind of hard to do when you're on a podcast. So we're going to just talk about some of the things that we notice um, on slide decks and those kinds of things, other resources that might be out there beyond slide decks. So we'll pick up part three uh, with that and then talking about voice and body language in the actual presentation or training. Um, But final thoughts before we get there next week? Uh, Spend some time understanding your audience. Yep. Do your homework. Do your homework. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you all for listening and uh, let us know what you think about these these series. So um, this one in particular right now, the training prep talk, send us an email at mti at missouri.edu. And until next time, go be great. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Workplace, hosted by the Missouri Training Institute. Dewey, Ray, and Brianna stand ready to connect with you and meet your training needs. Be sure to check out ways to contact them in the episode description or at mti.missouri.edu. Subscribe to the podcast to get future episodes automatically by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. Hope to catch you on the next episode of the Weekly Workplace. Yes.